0: Hello and welcome to the Paediatric Research Podcast for July 2016. I'm Kerry Smith. Babies grow a lot in the last few weeks of being in the womb. Even five weeks before birth, the brain still has to gain a full third of its size at birth. All this growth requires the right nutrition, provided by the mother. If a baby is born preterm, its carers must provide this nutrition instead. Often they use parenteral feeding, through injection. But plenty of question marks remain over how much energy and protein to give babies and how much they should grow as a result. That's because the methods used to calculate nutritional intake and growth vary widely. Frank Bloomfield at the University of Auckland in New Zealand and his team decided it was time to take a look at this variability and propose a way of straightening it out. I spoke to Frank over Skype, while he took a break from the conference sessions at the Congress of the International Neonatology Association.
1: Preterm birth recently has been described as a nutritional emergency. And I think it's only now when survival rates have improved so dramatically through the advances in technology that we're turning our attention to what actually are some of the more simple questions in neonatology, such as nutrition.
0: And how can the right nutrition help promote growth and development, particularly brain development at this crucial stage? Well,
1: the time that most preterm babies are being born is a time when they would be growing faster in the womb than any other time in their life. For example, even at 34 to 35 weeks gestation, so only five weeks before full term, the brain is only two-thirds of its weight at term. And obviously, to support growth, you need optimal nutrition. That's true at any time of life, and it's particularly true for preterm babies. And yet it's actually quite difficult to get adequate nutrition into preterm babies for a variety of reasons. One being that they're immature in lots of ways in the ways that they can actually take enteral feeds, coordinating their suck, breathe, swallow, in the way that their gastrointestinal tract has been developed and also in their fluid balance means that we can only give them limited fluid in the first few days which is a challenge for giving them the right amount of parental nutrition.
0: And what what happens if a baby who's born prematurely doesn't receive the right balance of nutrients and fluids?
1: Well, then we can see what we see around the world in neonatal units, which is postnatal growth faltering in those first couple of weeks after birth. So instead of babies growing along a centile line, as we would normally like to see in paediatric medicine, we see that babies drop centiles, often one or two centiles or even more, so that they really have a postnatal failure to thrive. It's then really difficult for these babies to make that up during the time that they're in hospital. And the risk is that instead of having um, proportional growth of both weight and length, that later on, when it's easier to get calories into them, they just have an increase in their weight and so have disproportionate growth.
0: What In your hospital, at least, before we move on to the the study that you've been doing that analyzes many different studies, what would be the normal procedure? What are you actually physically giving these babies?
1: So for the extremely preterm babies, we would start parental nutrition, so full intravenous nutrition, as soon as appropriate venous access has been obtained. And we use very concentrated amino acid solutions, meaning that we can give, for example, three grams per kilo per day of protein in only... Um, 45 mils per kilo of fluid, which is a much higher concentration of an amino acid solution than most places would use. We would also start enteral nutrition with breast milk as soon as breast milk is available and increase that um, as quickly as is tolerated by the baby. We also add milk fortifier once breast milk volumes of 5 mils every 2 hours are tolerated, meaning that again we're getting extra protein to these babies an earlier time point. And then we would aim to transition to full breastfeeding as soon as possible.
0: And when you started looking around at how other people did this and at the literature uh, that has tried to suggest or specify what feeding protocols should look like, what did you find?
1: Well, what we found first of all is that most practices for nutrition in these preterm babies are not based on the highest quality evidence. They're mostly based on Small randomized trials or observational studies or expert evidence. And we wondered when nutrition research in preterm babies has been going on for so long, quite why that was. And that led us to look at the way that nutritional studies in these preterm babies are being reported. And that's really what this paper is about. It's about the way that people are reporting nutrition studies and whether that in itself is hindering um, our ability to synthesize the data in a way that informs best practice.
0: So there might be differences in how people are actually administering nutrition, but they're also differing in the way that they actually report that?
1: That's right. We know there are huge differences in the way that doctors are administering nutrition to these extremely preterm babies. That's not only true from country to country, it's also true within countries and it's also true within individual neonatal units. There'll be quite different approaches between one consultant and another. And we think that one of the reasons for that is because the high-quality evidence isn't there to to ensure that everyone can come to a conclusion about what's best evidence-based practice. And part of the reason for that is that the studies that have been done on nutrition report both the amount of nutrition they're giving and the way that's calculated, and also the effect on baby's growth in very different ways. And this means that the same nutritional intake in one baby can report be reported to have different effects on growth according, for example, to which growth charts are used to report data and the statistical method which is used to calculate the growth of that baby.
0: It almost seems impossible that with one baby you could report things in such a different way that you ended up writing down two different growth figures at the end.
1: It is a remarkable, I agree. I mean, a good example is that if you take a baby who is growing along the 10th percentile using the very widely used UK WHO preterm growth charts, and then take exactly the same growth data and plot that baby on the latest Fenton 2013 growth charts, then although on the UK WHO growth charts the baby is growing across, uh, along the 10th percentile and therefore demonstrating a zero change in standard deviation score, on the Fenton growth charts that baby would be dropping more than one whole standard deviation score for weight, representing significant faltering of growth.
0: And that in turn could affect how you then treat that baby?
1: Absolutely. So on the one hand, you could be assuming that that baby's growth is perfectly satisfactory. On the other hand, you'd be quite worried that this baby is not growing as well as you would like.
0: So it sounds like we need some way of globally, if possible, standardising the way that we measure and report what people are feeding children and how well they're growing as a result.
1: Yes, we think that's absolutely right. The other really important point is around breast milk. And the composition of breast milk is calculated differently by, in different publications so that there can be quite substantial differences in the calculated amount of nutrition given according to what figures for breast milk composition are used. We think that if we had a standardised reporting framework and everyone reported both the amount of nutrition they were giving in the same way and also reported growth trajectories in the same way, using the same calculations for growth and the same growth charts for plotting growth, then we would have a much better understanding about the effect of the different nutritional interventions is having on babies' growth and development.
0: And do you have an idea what that framework should look like in your mind?
1: Well, in the, in the paper that we have recently published in Pediatric Research, we make recommendations um, based on consultation our expert opinion about what we think are, is a sensible way forward. We really would like to open that up for discussion um, and see what other people around the world think And perhaps the next step would be to undertake something like a Delphi process whereby we consult with experts around the whole world through a series of consultations to arrive at um, globally agreed guidelines.
0: And then somebody has the unenviable task of trying to put that all into practice.
1: Yes, that's right. That's always the next step. It's one thing to have evidence available. The next is how to then translate that into practice.
0: Frank Bloomfield there at the University of Auckland. Find his paper at nature.com/pr. Thanks for listening.